Hey everyone, this is Dr. Tim, and today we're going to talk about 13 important things that you need to know when you're first starting up your aquarium using Dr. Tim's one and only live nitrifying bacteria, or in that case, anyone's bacteria, or even if you're not going to use bacteria, how to set up your tank and get it cycling without frustration. So, now, in order to uh, make this a little bit more uh, understandable, what we're going to do with this podcast is have a conversation, and I've enlisted the help of Dr. Tim's social media manager, Hillary Jaffe, and she's going to be asking me a series of questions. We're going to have a conversation about cycling. Hey, Hillary, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? Doing well. All right, so I've made the introduction. Why don't we uh, jump right in and let's discuss things you need to know about cycling and starting up your aquarium. All right, sounds good. Let's jump right in. So, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that we can cycle tanks, but are, do some ways take longer than others, and why is that? They do. In fact, we've got one person on our customer service, uh, you know, info at Dr. Tim's and they're trying to cycle and they've been cycling for eight weeks. And basically because they don't have any bacteria, you have to have a source of nitrifying bacteria to get the system going, to goose the system. Generally, and this is something that most people are surprised to hear, the source of your nitrifying bacteria is your drinking water. Drinking water pipe systems are full of nitrifying bacteria that live in a biofilm that coat the insides of the pipe. But if you start your saltwater or reef aquarium with DIRO water or heavily filtered water and artificial sea salts, you basically don't have a source of nitrifying bacteria. And if you're just adding some ammonia or some people just fill it up and think they can wait, well, you don't have anything that's so-called prime the pump in terms of bacteria, and you're going to wait and wait and wait. A quicker way is to add some bacteria to the system. All right, and so we can do that with the one and only live nitrifying bacteria. You can also get a bottle of ammonia that comes with it. That can help jumpstart it. Right. You need You need two things once the aquarium's all set up. You need a source of bacteria, and you need a source of ammonia. Um, you know, there's a couple of ways. The cleanest, easiest way is to use our one and only live nitrifying bacteria, get our ammonia drops, and follow our guide of, of dosing a little bit of ammonia into the system. Some people... You know, there's the old school way of getting a shrimp from the deli and cutting it up and throwing it in there and letting nature take its course. That uh, turns into kind of a mess. The aquarium's cloudy and it stinks. That's I can something imagine. we recommend. Um, and, and a lot of people truthfully are, you know, they read bad things about nitrifying bacteria or bottled bacteria, and that's because historically – bottled bacteria haven't worked well because they were the wrong bacteria. I mean, that goes back to my 
you know, PhD dissertation from a long time ago that showed that the traditional bacteria, Nitrosomonas europea and Nitrobacter winogratsky, while those are nitrifying bacteria, they are not the ones you find in aquariums. They're in sewage treatment plant systems, and sewage treatment plant systems have a much higher ammonia and nitrite concentration than your home aquarium. So you need the that right bacteria in the bottle to start with. That's a good point. Now, you mentioned that we have a step-by-step, and I'll probably talk about this a couple more times, but we do have recipes for step-by-step. If you're not sure if you've done it for the first time, um, you know, you can go to our website and we've got those step-by-step, what you need to do each day, how to test. So that's just something to keep in mind if, you know, you're not comfortable with dosing ammonia. Right. The, and the reason we develop these is if you're starting out as a novice, setting up your first tank, and you go, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the web. And the web is nothing but a source of confusion. There's good information. <laughs> there's bad information. How are you going to know? You go to these forums, and now you got 20 people, 30 people telling you all these different ways. And it's understandable that people are confused, and it's not that hard. So we've taken it day by day, step by step, with our guide of how to get through this. And just a little bit of patience, you you can cycle your tank in 10 to 14 days. And just, uh, I'll try to say this only once, just follow the guide and don't listen to all the voices that are out there. You need one teacher, not 500 teachers telling you 500 different things. Yep, I say I've been there as an Aquarius when I first started out. It really helps to have that step-by-step you know, so you know exactly what to do. Now, speaking of ammonia, so one of the questions that we do get is people have high ammonia in their tanks. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like high, like when people are seeing high ammonia, what can they do? Um, well, so it's very popular these days to use live sand. And live sand is a term that means that instead of, it's got organics, it's got bacteria, it's got living creatures in there. The problem with the live sand is that it's been sitting in a bag on a store shelf for who knows how long. And those bacteria are doing what bacteria do, which is breaking those organics down. I mean, I've had customers email us and say, I opened this bag of live sand and put it in there. It was black and it stunk, but I used it. It's Well, you don't really want to do that. That just tells you that there's a lot of organics in there. And what bacteria do is they break down or convert those organics into ammonia. And so you've added ammonia into this aquarium without even knowing it. And then you go ahead and dose our drops and people get confused. We want you to add four drops per gallon, no more. And that will take your ammonia to two parts per million ammonia nitrogen. But then what people will do is their test kit won't read that, so they'll add more drops. And and basically they're overdosing. So there's a couple of sources of ammonia and that's how you can end up with these high doses. Okay. That's something I guess 
maybe not everybody thinks about is that live sand having the organics that, you know, turn into ammonia. So definitely something to uh, be mindful of when you're starting up your tank. Yeah, what we recommend is if you're going to use live sand, set up the tank, get it running, sand in the tank, let it run for 24 hours. And then before you add any ammonia drops, measure the ammonia, see if there's any present. And if there is, then either don't add any of the ammonia drops or cut way back on the amount of the ammonia drops that you add. It's better to have less ammonia than too much ammonia, as too much ammonia basically slows the cycle and it it inhibits it. So it takes longer, which is not what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to accomplish a faster cycle rather than a slower cycle. Exactly. That's a good point. Wait, if you've got that live sand, wait and then test it after 24 hours and see where your ammonia level's at. You know, maybe even wait two days before starting your dosing. Right. And one indicator is if your water turns cloudy, if you set your system up, and it's a good advice, maybe wait 48 hours, nothing goes wrong waiting. Um, But if your water turns cloudy, that means that you your the bacteria in the live sand are doing their thing, degrading organics and putting ammonia in the water. So you're definitely going to want to measure ammonia and nitrite before you even add the ammonia drops. Cloudy water is an indication. All right. Good to know. Something to be aware of. Now, what if people don't want to add sand? You know, sometimes people are setting up quarantine tanks. I know a lot of those are bare bottom tanks and they don't have any media. Correct. And and this is another problem in that the nitrifying bacteria, the ones that we need to convert the ammonia to nitrite, nitrite to nitrate, live on surfaces. They don't really want to live free swimming in the water. So if you have a quarantine or bare bottom tank and it's typical to put some plastic piping in there or some fittings, that's really not enough surface area. So what we recommend, and and the reason people will have bare bottom quarantine tank, is that the calcareous core, the the coral rubble can absorb some of the medications and take the medication out of the water. What we recommend then is to have a layer of glass uh, beads or marbles on on the bottom. Bacteria can adhere to those. It provides enough surface area for them to start uh, attaching and do their work. A bare bottom tank, if you don't want any surface area in there, strictly bare bottom, is going to take longer to cycle because there's just no place. There's not enough surface area for the bacteria. So you're just going to have to know it's going to take a while. Sponges can help if you can have an air or even a little water pump driven uh, sponge filter. That's good. Uh, you, you need something, a bare bottom tank with just an air stone will not cycle very fast at all. All right. That was good to know. Now, too, if, you, if you're if you putting marbles or something like that in the tank and you don't want them in the tank, if you're going to take them out, don't take them out all at once. Take them out at a little bit at a time. Exactly. One, once the tank is cycled, then you can siphon them out or remove them however you want, you know, a little bit of a time over a week's period. Um, A lot of people say, well, I've got lots of coral, uh, live rock, or 
dead rock. Well, again, it takes time for all that to cycle. The bacteria just don't immediately adhere to that material. So you have to be patient with it. All right. Patience is one big thing that I feel like every aquarist needs a little bit of no matter what. If you're just starting, even if you're further on down the line, it takes a lot of patience. It does take patience. It's a big reward. But anytime you're doing something, step back, come back in an hour, just a little bit of patience can clear the mind and you'll react better to whatever situation is going on in your aquarium. All right. Now I've got one more, I guess, substrate media sort of question. So I've heard there's a lot of different um, biomedia that are out there, little blocks, um, ceramic pieces that you can put in your um, filters. How, what, what do those do with respect to the nitrifying bacteria? How do they work? Well, the idea behind those is good in that they provide a lot of internal surface area for the bacteria in a small shape. So they're very, they're very porous. The problem is the bacteria aren't like bugs that can crawl. They, they can't grab that surface and then crawl inside. They have to be forced inside and, and it takes time to develop that uh, bacteria colony. And then what happens is once the nitrifiers are inside and on the surfaces, all the internal surfaces, that material invariably starts clogging with organics. Uh, And there's all sorts of proprietary materials. More porous is better because if you have lots of water flowing through it, it won't accumulate organics. Why accumulating organics is bad is basically you're burying the bacteria. You're just shoveling dirt on top of them, and then the water doesn't flow. All these rely on passive, the water will flow through it. But that's not what happens. Once the surface becomes slimy, once it becomes clogged, the water takes the path of least resistance, which is going around these blocks. So positioned right in a, in a what I call active water flow where you're actually pushing the water through them or pulling the water through them so there's no bypass, they can work. But most of the time, people just stack them and kind of like, I put it in my tank, the water will flow. And that's just not how water uh, works. It will not automatically go into those, those materials. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, we've seen a lot of occasions where tanks don't have good flow and, you know, even within the tanks, water becomes stagnant, you have buildup. So if you do have those uh, medias, those biomedias, make sure you put them in an area of high flow or not even high flow, but, you know, where they're Yeah, where the flow. water can't bypass and, 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 and more importantly, pre-filter because organics are the bane. That's what nitrifiers hate. Nitrifiers work in a very thin film. And if you cover the nitrifiers up, you're basically smothering them and they can't work. And what smothers them? Organic material. So have a pre-filter. Nothing wrong with having a nice pre-filter, blue pad, sponge, something that you can easily clean, easily remove, easily clean all the time. And you have one 
it working, one you're cleaning, one you're drying. So a couple of them, and you, you rotate them out to get rid of organics and keep whatever your biofilter media is clean. That's the most important thing about biofilter media is it needs to be clean of organic so the nitrifiers can work. All right. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to, I guess, water, like where you're getting your water. You know, you talked about RODI water a little bit earlier, but, you know, I've heard tap water isn't good to just put into your tank. Correct. So uh, um, people think, well, we drink the water, it's fine. Now, the problem with tap water is, one, it's got chlorine or chloramines in it because, by law, whatever water authority delivers water to your house has to be deliver bacteria free water so it's healthy for you to drink and how that's done is by disinfectants and chloramine and chlorine is the prime disinfectant and it will kill not only the nitrifying bacteria it will kill your fish so you have to dechlorinate the water with a simple dechlor there's several on the market or because it can also have nitrate in the water and why does it have nitrate? Well, as remember I said earlier, you get your nitrifying bacteria from your drinking water. When chloramine, when it's added at the water treatment station, as it goes through the pipes, basically dissociates into ammonia. And that ammonia becomes food for nitrifying bacteria that coat the drinking water pipes as they travel to your house. And the, then the nitrifying bacteria take that ammonia that came from the chloramine and they nitrify it into nitrate. So by the time the water gets to your house, it may have high levels of nitrate. So for your marine aquarium, you want to keep your phosphate and nitrate, which are nutrients for algae, down. So a lot of people will use RO, which stands for reverse osmosis or DI, which stands for deionization. And that's two techniques to take your tap water and purify it so that it's, it's pretty pure. About 98% of all the minerals and other compounds are removed. So you start out with pure water, add a synthetic sea salt, and you're making up a mix that you know exactly what's in it and that it's clean and doesn't have these nutrients that can spur algae growth. But the main thing is you got to have chlorine-free water. All right. Now, something that you could use would be uh, we have a product called First Defense that can help to remove some of that stuff and make that water safe to start out for your fish. Right. I mean, not everybody's going to install an RODI unit if you have a small aquarium. And that's okay. You can use something like First Defense, which will bind out heavy metals, remove the chloramines and chlorine, and uh, make the water perfectly fine to use with your synthetic sea salts to, for your fish aquarium, even your coral reef aquarium. You don't have to be paranoid about it, but it is good to know what is in your local water source. Yep. Always, always important. And if you're not sure about that, that's something that maybe you can always check with your local fish store. They should be able to give you, you know, if you're new to the area, they should be able to let you know how your water is. Yeah, always talk to your local fish store. They're going to know. And if they, you have a small tank, it may just be more economical. A lot of fish stores 
pre-mixed salt water. And you can buy a two, four, five-gallon jug of pre-mixed salt water and save space, save the hassle of mixing. You know, just it's everybody's situation is a little bit different depending on how much room you have and things like that. Exactly. All right. Now, so I'm going to go back to this ammonia thing again. We talked about it at the very beginning. So what happens if you add too much ammonia? Well, basically, if you add too much ammonia, the bacteria take longer to cycle. And there's two types of these nitrifying bacteria. The general classifications are ammonia oxidizing bacteria, like just like the name says, they oxidize or change the ammonia and they change it into nitrite. And the second group of bacteria are these nitrite oxidizing bacteria because nitrite is just as toxic as ammonia. And so these second group of bacteria convert the nitrite to nitrate. The problem is when you have high ammonia, the ammonia oxidizing bacteria work relatively fast compared to the nitrite oxidizing bacteria. Mm -hmm. And what invariably happens is you get a buildup of nitrite. And when the nitrite is really high, it turns out nitrite is very toxic to nitrifying bacteria. It's kind of a negative feedback loop. And so high ammonia will invariably lead to high nitrite and a long time exposure. When, when you're talking about toxicity, it's not just the level the toxin gets to, but it's also the time exposure. And so a lot of people will find in their saltwater aquarium, I was able to get the ammonia to cycle. It went up, it came down in a week, but my nitrite is hanging on, it's taking forever. And that's due to two things. The nitrite oxidizing bacteria grow super slow, and the higher the salinity, the slower they grow because they have to put more energy in just maintaining the cell. And it turns out that the high nitrite starts to poison them, the cell. So they're actually poisoning themselves. And so the fix to this is one, lower your salinity. Say you're going to have 35 parts per thousand, 1.023 to 1.024 on your hydrometer. You don't have to have that in the beginning for the bacteria. Cut that down to 24 parts per thousand, 1.016 on the hydrometer or so. You can always raise it before you add fish. Lower salinity means less energy the bacteria have to use just to maintain their cell shape so they can divide faster. And as I said earlier, a little bit of ammonia means a little bit of nitrite, gives the bacteria a chance to reproduce, increase their numbers to handle more and more so you can gradually increase the amount of bacteria or amount of ammonia you add. What we don't want you to do is try to rush the process using chemicals. There are chemicals, we make one, um, AquaCleanse, that can remove the ammonia in the water. But in doing so, they also can inhibit the bacteria. In an emergency, fine to use, but during a regular cycle, stay away from using and especially overdosing ammonia-removing chemicals. Yep. 
that's a really good point. And something that, you know, you might not think of. You're just like, oh, I want to get it down a little bit. But, you know, you add too much. It's easy mistake to make. Right. I mean, today we have, you may have seen it in the customer service email. And, and I'll talk about a little about test kits because a person has 0.025 ammonia. And they're kind of freaking out. And so they're adding a very popular ammonia removing chemical. And that's the wrong thing to do. It's when you step back and just think 0.25 ammonia is not going to harm any fish. And these test kits, the most popular ones, they're easy to use. But the drawback is they're not technical scientific instruments. They're kind of an indicator. If you have zero ammonia, a little ammonia, or a lot. If you have a little ammonia, just you know, 0.25 Basically, that's zero for most of these test kits. Don't freak out. Let the bacteria do their thing. The exact wrong thing to do is to start dumping in chemicals. It's just going to mess up the entire cycle, inhibit the bacteria, and do the opposite of what you want. It's going to take it longer to cycle rather than save the bacteria and uh, make it less toxic for them. And, you know, too, something that you mentioned earlier is just, you know, take a deep breath, kind of step away from the situation, and then maybe revisit it in like a day, especially if you don't have fish in there, um, you know, nothing too much to stress over. Exactly. And and also, maybe the the test tubes were dirty. You know, if you get this, even we do this in analytical science, you, you get this weird result. What's the first thing you do? Rerun the result. Clean everything and, and rerun it and confirm. And like I said, if if you've got three or four that most of these ammonia test kits turn the, the water some shade of green or dark blue, if it instantly turns colors, okay, you've got something. But if it's just a faint, man, that's hard to tell, don't beat yourself up. The answer is it's low or, as you said, you know what? No fish in here. Nothing's going to be... You know, no, no need to rush anything. Let's come back tonight or tomorrow morning and measure again. Let things take their course. Exactly. Um, so I think you, you've touched on this. You know, if in your cycle you've got some things that are off and you have high nitrate. Or, yeah. Well, usually it's going to be high nitrate. Oh is um and with nitrate people kind of freak because they think well I'm, the end product of nitrification is nitrate and i'm adding this ammonia and it's disappearing and two things we we get most common people say well i'm not seeing any nitrite the second part well that's what you, sh- you that's good if, if you have a bacteria like our one and only that's working, you may not see the nitrite because if you follow our directions and give the bacteria time, they will convert the ammonia to nitrite and nitrite to nitrate within the 24-hour measuring period. You know, we, we don't want you to measure every, every 15 minutes. We literally get this where people dump the ammonia in, they dump the bacteria in, and then 30 minutes later they measure expecting things to be zero. That's not how it happens. It, you know, 
relax 24 hours, give it a day or two, but you may not measure nitrite. And so then they measure nitrate and they don't see any. Well, the problem with the nitrate test kits is that for the vast majority of them, until the nitrate gets to be around 20 ppm, these kits don't read. It's, I won't go into the chemistry of it, but with these low levels in the beginning, your nitrate test is basically not going to have a value. It just isn't going to pick up those low levels, so don't worry about it. The other thing people don't realize about the nitrite nitrate test kits is the way these work is that in, when you do the nitrate test, the first chemical basically that you, that you add to the test and you shake, and if you have low levels, you really need to shake hard for several minutes, converts or changes the nitrate to nitrite. Oh. Well, during the cycling, if you have nitrite, the nitrate test kit is measuring that too. So you get these weird, if you're charting it out, and a lot of people do, you get these weird charts where for a while you had nitrate, and then all of a sudden it all disappeared. Well, if you look, you had that nitrate when your nitrite was high because the kit measures both. When nitrite dropped to zero because the nitrite oxidizing bacteria now are kicked in, your nitrate dropped to zero because in reality, that's what the kit was measuring. And I know this can be very confusing and we actually, I have a, a blog where I detail this where you can go through and, and see how I, I write. I have some graphs because uh, it, the terms are very similar and it does get a little confusing. Yep, actually, I think I misread mine. I was like, oh no, hold on. That was supposed to be nitrate, not nitrate. But I do agree. I have seen the graphs and the graphs are a great visual to kind of help you figure out where you are in the cycle. Right. And it's kind of amazing, but the test kit manufacturers don't tell you how the nitrate test works, that it's converting all the nitrate to nitrite. So to get an accurate value, anytime you do a nitrate test, you also need to do a nitrite test and you subtract the nitrite value from your nitrate value to get the true nitrate. Even the machines that we have in the lab, we have to do that because all these tests you use uh, some type of reduction to turn the nitrate into nitrite and then measure it. All right, good to know. It's, it's always interesting to see like how labs, um, you know, especially places that do this on a much higher level, how their equipment differs from the stuff that we as hobbyists use for our tanks at home. Yeah, the, 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 it's in general the same most because it's quick and e easy are these color metric, which means they basically change color. The more the subst of the substance there is, the darker the green, the darker the red. But what a lot of people now don't understand, because again, the test kit manufacturers don't tell you, is that you can get a false negative. And that means if you have a lot of ammonia or a lot of nitrate, 
nitrite in the sample. Now, I'm confusing myself. But if you have a lot of nitrite in the water, and, and we're talking maybe 10 or 15 because you've, you've misread or you didn't misread. You've paid attention to the Internet. And here's a, a myth. And the Internet will tell you that the ammonia bacteria have to be fed every day or they're going to die. Well, they don't have to be fed every day. They're not human. They don't need to be fed every day uh, or every two days or every three days. They're going to do fine. But people are adding the ammonia and the um, bacteria are converting it well but the nitrite is super high and the whole thing is stuck. And as we've discussed, the whole thing is stuck because the nitrite is too high and uh, the bacteria are being inhibited by it. But sometimes people say, well, you know, something's wrong and their nitrite test will come back zero because it's the nitrite level is so high, the test kit returns a false negative, meaning it says it's zero, but it really isn't. And if you did a dilution, the thing would turn scarlet, you know, scarlet red immediately. So it's, it's not to be confusing, but the water chemistry, there are limits to these tests. And they are just basically an indicator, high levels, low levels, presence, absence. Yep. All right. Now, I don't want to stick on this too much long, but what if you have no nitrite? You know, you mentioned that it could be like, you know, bad readings, but are there any other circumstances that would cause you to have no nitrite? Um, well, if, if the bacteria are working, um, but if you suspect something, you can always dilute it. Um, and don't rely on chemicals. Um, but usually it's just because the bacteria are working so well that they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're converting that nitrite to nitrate. All right. So if you don't have any, you're doing good. Don't worry. Yeah, basically. Okay. Moving on from that nitrate, nitrite confusion. Um, so we mentioned earlier different waters. So depending on where you live, you could have hard or soft water. Um, and with that comes varying pHs. How does pH affect and impact these bacteria? Right. Well, generally, um, this is more of a problem in freshwater aquariums, but our uh, Podcast aren't only marine, they go freshwater and salt. And a couple of things happen. People will think, well, I'm going to use pure water. I'm going to go down to the store, the aquarium's not that big, and I'm going to buy, you know, the best, purest water as possible. Or they live in, say, the Pacific Northwest, you know, Seattle, up in that area, where the rainwater is very pure. And the problem is that when you have pure water, the pH is usually around 7 or lower. Oh. And ammonia, we'll try to make this a lot easier to understand than nitrite and nitrate. But ammonia exists in two forms. And the um, ammonium and ammonia. The lower the pH, 
the more the total ammonia exists as ammonium, which is NH4+. And under a pH of 7, 6.5, for all intents and purposes, 99% plus of the total ammonia is in the ammonium form. Well, the problem is that's not the form the bacteria use. Luckily, it's also not the toxic form. So when you measure it, you're going to have high ammonia because all these kits measure, um, almost all of them measure total ammonia. Um, but nothing will convert. The bacteria won't work because the bacteria can't use the ammonium form of total ammonia. So if you're going to have a low pH tank, and people set these up because they're going to have cichlids, or uh, you know, South American cichlids, like uh, discus or angelfish that come from naturally low pH water, well, it's going to take a long time to cycle. And if you just have soft water, low pH water right out of your tap, once again, it's going to take a while for that aquarium to cycle because the ammonia is in the wrong form. That's good. That's that's interesting and important to know. Now, you, we're talking about freshwater tanks, so makes me think of those tanks that have tannins in them to have those beautiful colors. How does that affect the pH? I assume it drops it a little bit as well. Tan usually yes, tannin. Uh, some people use peat. Um, try to get a peat or a bog it has a nice yellow or brownish yellow color looks very natural those are usually soft water tanks which soft water means low calcium and magnesium not a lot of buffering or, or tums you know they can't absorb a lot of the acids that are produced by nitrification and that is not the greatest environment for bacteria tannins inhibit or tannic acid inhibit bacterial processes and now, what's a common tank? These freshwater shrimp tanks. They're, they're gorgeous. All these different colors and types of freshwater shrimp. They'll tell you, the, the people that are selling these shrimp, will tell you, well, you need this soft water. You need to have these special um, soils that add tannins, and they act, actually add ammonia, and they make the water very soft. And people will freak out in terms of, I got this ammonia, I've added the bacteria, nothing's happening. Well, that's because in some of these shrimp tanks, the pH is like 5.5. It's going to oh, take wow. quite a long time to cycle. But as I said earlier, the ammonia is in the non-toxic form. So you're okay. You just have to be patient and realize that the water chemistry is dictating that this is just not the greatest environment for nitrifying bacteria. Go slow, don't add a lot of organisms, and it's going to take literally a couple of months for these systems to cycle. That's good. Now, that's very interesting. I love looking at those shrimp tanks when I go to the trade shows. They, they're just beautiful tanks, but I had no idea that uh, the pHs could be so low. Yeah, they're special soils and... Uh, it's, it's tough to be a nitrifier living in 5.5 pH, and, and those soils leach ammonia too. So again, if you're going to set up a shrimp tank and you're going to use these soils, 
measure the water. Let, let it run for one or two days and measure the water. And you probably don't have to add the ammonia drops and then realize that with this situation, it's going to take a little bit of time to cycle. All right, good to know. All right, now I've got my last question for you, and I'm sure this varies throughout the year as we see temperature increases and decreases. You know, right now in the summer, you know, southwest, we've seen, you know, 113 degree, but also I know it can get pretty cold. How does temperature um, affect these bacteria, especially with respect to shipping? Right, well, nitro fires uh, cannot survive freezing unless, unless they're in a solution with a special uh, preservative, which nobody adds because it's relatively expensive. So you definitely, if you're going to be getting nitrifier shipped to you in the wintertime when the temperature is below zero and you just know it's going to be freezing temperatures, make sure the company is shipping with some type of weather protection or you're just, uh, you know, your investment's going to be ruined. Heat, lucky thing about nitrifiers is they can survive pretty pretty warm temperatures. Uh, with the extreme heat that can be happening in, you know, in the Phoenix, Las Vegas, that, you know, southwest during the height of summer, again, you probably want to pay a little extra to get a shipping pack that has um, uh, gel in it. I mean, what I say with people is, would you would you fish, ship fish to you in this weather? Well, fish would freeze in the middle of winter in some areas, or they wouldn't survive the heat in some areas. So if it's not good for fish, figure it's not good for your bacteria, and make sure that wherever you're buying your bacteria has a extreme weather package that it has gel packs or heat packs that can protect the bacteria. All right, that's good to know. That's a good rule of thumb too. Make sure you know if you wouldn't ship fish in the weather, don't don't ship the bacteria without some sort of uh, heating pack or ice pack. Right. What I tell people is bacteria just just think of them as a fish. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't buy your fish and leave them in your car window in direct sunlight while you're you know getting lunch or something like that. Why would you do that with the bacteria? Just treat it like they are. A, a group of living creatures that you need. They're hardy. It is hard. It is hard to kill them, but there are things that can kill them. And there's conditions they they grow well in. There's conditions they don't grow well in. A lot of people say, "Well, I got a bad batch." The problem we have as a manufacturer is that the range of aquariums just varies so much that by reviewing and thinking about the things that we've talked about today. You're going to know how to handle the situation. If you want a low pH tank, fine. Start out at a higher pH. Get the bacteria established and then slowly lower the pH. That gives the bacteria time to adapt. The same thing with temperature. We've got people that want a cold water fish tank. Okay, cycle at a warmer temperature and then slowly reduce the water temperature after you have a significant bacteria population. You know, trying to grow nitrifying bacteria at 50 degrees Fahrenheit, it's gonna take forever versus growing them at 75 and then slowly reducing the water temperature down 
to 50 over a week or two, giving the bacteria time to adapt. Yep. Just think of it as like a really, really slow acclimation, like you would do for your fish, but you're acclimating for the bacteria. Basically. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, I think that sums up my list of questions for you or big things that, you know, I wanted to talk about and discuss. Great. And but we have all this written down on our website. There's lots of videos. You can go to our YouTube channel, Dr. Tim's Aquatics. You can go to our website, www.drtimsaquatics.com. And there are, like I said, the, the fishless cycling guide videos and all sorts of resources to get you through the cycling. The main thing is go slow, have patience, and pick a pick a path. Don't go on the internet and listen to all sorts of people. It's just going to confuse you. You can get through this. It'll it'll be fine. Just be patient and take your time. Good advice. All right. Nice speaking to you today, Hillary. Good talking to you. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening.